welcome to episode three of The Partial Historians. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Radford. And I'm Dr. Peter. So we're going to be continuing on from the cliffhanger that we left you. <laughs> dun, dun. <laughs> we really should incorporate proper sound That's effects right. at some stage. We'll get around we? to that. Uh, but we were talking about the people who don't have sex in ancient Rome, uh, a group of whom are the Vestal Virgins. Yeah, so yes. this is part of our continuing examination of mm. Vestal Virgins. Now, we didn't actually get into what actually happens to a Vestal if she is found to be... Impure. Impure. Mm. Well, yeah, given that we've already sort of looked at the way that that the Vestal becomes tied up to this flame of Rome and the flame represents Rome's security, then obviously it's a huge issue if she's no longer a virgin. There's a sort of this circular, everything relates to everything else and the whirlpool. And... uh, (laughs) And how do you get out of the whirlpool if one of the things is broken? Yep. Well, you just drown, yeah. as, it, as it turns out. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, festal impurity, yes. uh, the loss of virginity. Mm. Uh, we thought we'd take a look at some really interesting examples exactly. from our perspective yes. on this particular issue, just to give you a sense of, of how it could go down in various ways. Yes, now we did refer to a couple of cases last episode. Mm. Um, The ones where the women were accused of being unchaste because they were dressing a little inappropriately and laughing a little too much, You know, (laughs) taking an interest in fashion often considered to be a little bit inappropriate. Girlfriend! (laughs) Do you think that's appropriate for the workplace? Exactly, Mm. and we did talk about uh, Postumia, who was acquitted. She was acquitted. Yes. She was given a light sort of slap yep. on the wrists. Please behave. Yep. Now we can place her chronologically yep. around about 420 BC. So, so quite early on. Yeah. Early Republic. Yeah. Very early. And then in about 337 BC, mm-hmm. uh, so not too long after, we had the other case, who is Manukia. I hate that name. <laughs> um, and she unfortunately did not fare so well. And she, she got the not. traditional punishment, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, so the traditional punishment mm. for for it's Vestal really unpleasant. <laughs> for Vestal unchastity, the yeah. traditional punishment is mm. burial alive. Yeah. Uh, that's not fun. Yeah. Well, you think that sounds bad, but yeah. it it's actually more civilized than it than it sounds. That's true. Um, they didn't just not... hurl her into it. <laughs> no, she wasn't just thrown into an open grave no. and they piled the dirt on top of her. No. Um, it was, it's far more civilized it than is. that. It's more, um, more ritualized. Yes, yes. Live burial. <laughs> The Roman way, exactly. <laughs> so there is a there is a underground chamber constructed. Yep, and presumably they don't have to reconstruct the chamber every time. Presumably it's just That's there a bit creepy, for use, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it would be really interesting creepy, if yeah. we could find that chamber. I was going to ask you about that actually. Oh, I, I really wish I we like, could. <laughs> Dude, surely someone's come across it. <laughs> um, this is the trouble with Rome being a living city. <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> yeah, no, we're not sure that we've found anything quite like it yet. But and so they were placed in there with some things, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. So this underground chamber yeah uh they're escorted to it mm-hmm. and sent down and then it's the entrance is covered over yeah inside the chamber they're left with a few items yep. including some olive oil milk some milk yeah yeah yep. and you know a little bit of food and not not that much just seems really cruel yeah <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a final meal yeah i guess yeah. <laughs> so the idea seems to be behind this is that it's Vesta's choice, ultimately. Right. 
if this priestess is unfit to serve. Yeah, and she's because she is very much tied to the earth, is it possible that the idea of sort of being more or less buried alive is sort of returning you to mm. the earth mother? Yeah, <laughs> the earth mother. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, well, was it... Waxing poetical. Yeah, yeah well, it, it's, it's one of these sort of uh, issues, if yeah. you like, with Vesta, like how there is a point at which she is associated with the earth overall yeah. in the sense that and this is sort of straying a little bit into yes. different territory, but yeah. her temple is circular. Yeah. So that's the first point at which she becomes like the Earth. The yeah. Romans were aware of the Earth being round to a certain extent. How and, intelligent. <laughs> and, and then we get to, to uh, sort of uh, suppositions in Roman literature where the circular temple represents the central point of the world. Right, yeah. And therefore Vesta stands in for the Earth itself by being the mark of the... The actual center. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, egotism at all times yeah. from the Romans. Yeah. Love <laughs> Did it. you know that the center of the world happens to be in our? City? How convenient! <laughs> Surely this means we should be the dominant yeah. nation. Yeah. And there you go. There's an excuse to take over. So, to return to these particular cases, particular cases yeah. of being buried alive. So, obviously. Once they're in the chamber, there's yep. not much you can do about that. Yep. They always die. Yeah. So they're always... It, it seems to perforce that, that being buried is seen as the sign that they're guilty from a Roman perspective. Yeah. But the Romans then distance their own responsibility. They don't actually kill the priestess. Because there is sort of an idea, isn't there, connected to the Vestals, that they are, in a sense, sort of sacrosanct. Like, you can't... Like, it's not very good to kill them with actual yeah. violence. Yeah. yeah. So this idea yeah. of yeah. of being sacrosanct essentially yes. means that their bodies cannot be touched. Yeah. So, in a way, this, this is a natural extension of, well, they must be virgins. Yes. Um, but it was also more important than that from a Roman perspective. Mm. Uh, she could not be touched in any particular way. Yeah. Which meant that she had sort of the power to go wherever she would she wished yes. without being interfered with physically. Because yes. there is a there is a case, isn't it? And I don't want to go you know into this too much because it doesn't really have much to do with sex, which is our main focus. <laughs> but there is an instance of a vestal who uh, intervened in a triumph, like a sort of a legal triumph. Um, mm. And a tribune tried to stop this illegal triumph and she threw herself in front of the offending man who was a relative of hers. Yeah, Claudia, so, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah we do yeah. get a case uh, yeah. of, a, of a vestal called Claudia yeah. who's actually interposing her body, yes. using her sacrosanct position yes. to ensure that the triumph continues. And yeah. um, So this is seen as a sort of foray into political yeah. uh, activity from somebody who is yeah. essentially non-political yeah. since women can't hold political roles. Yeah. So that in itself is very interesting. Yeah. But we'll, 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 return, to, yeah, we'll return to the topic. <laughs> we'll stay on topic. So <laughs> I believe we've got another early case that you're particularly fond of. <laughs> yes. Not well, We think it's early, that is, um, in that it's kind of a mythical, well, could perhaps be a mythical case study. Mm. The Vestal mm. took here. The Vestal took here. Yeah. One of my great loves. <laughs> <laughs> you see the way her eyes are lighting up right now. <laughs> I get a little sparkle when yeah, I think of do. her. <laughs> so we tend to date Tokia to around about 230 BC. Sure. And so this places her Middle Republic. Yep. In in our chronological sweep of yes. various festivals yeah. in this episode. Yep. And the reason why she tends to be classified as perhaps slightly mythic mm. is in regard to the miracle that mm. is associated with her story. Mm. She is accused of incestum, <gasps> so this idea of unchastity 
lack of virginity. Yeah. Uh, tell me your take on it. How does this story progress? Well, from what I understand, she proves her innocence by filling a sieve with water and managing to walk... Is it from one end of the city to the other? Or is it just she walks a little way? I don't know. She walks with the city <laughs> and nothing leaks out. Is that the general? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone likes a, a sieve that doesn't quite do its job properly. <laughs> you know what I think we should do? We should have a gasp. <gasps> it's a miracle. It is. <laughs> so. It's a bowl. <laughs> well, I think so, some facetious scholar I read on this subject was like, well, if she was clever, she would have just used some matted moss on the inside of the soup. <laughs> so, you know, not really a miracle. Uh, yeah. uh, which is a good argument, I think. Shun for... an unbeliever. <laughs> well, I think that's a good argument for, for trying to turn this into a historical event. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and certainly that has to be kept in mind. Yep. Uh, She's accused of incestum, yep. and she says, I will call upon Vesta mm-hmm. to prove my innocence. Yep. So she invokes the goddess for help, yep. and she says, if I can carry this sieve yep. with water, uh, this will prove my innocence. Mm. And, and it does. And so she goes... Supposedly. Yeah, yeah, well, she goes down to the Tiber, right. the pontifices, so the, the priests who oversee the jurisdiction of the Vestals, they yeah. go down to check it out because... They're ultimately the ones who decide whether she's guilty of being uh, unchaste or not. Ah, her fate lies in the hands (laughs) of men. That's never good. (laughs) No, no, but, you know... It's not going to be another way. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to break it to you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a good portion of the populace come down, according to uh, our major source for this story, which is uh, a Greek author. And so they get down to the river. Yep. She she fills up a sieve, mm-hmm. and then she proceeds to walk from the Tiber River. Yeah. Back to the Roman Forum. Ah. Now, by any stretch of the imagination, it's a fair distance. Yes. Uh, at least half a kilometer. Yeah. So you know. Obviously a miracle yeah. if the water doesn't leak in that sort of space of time. This is not just one of those, oh, look, and I've, <laughs> and I've switched it from one hand to the other and nothing's leaked. Uh, that must be even. Did you see anything leak? Oh, yeah. no, no. Sleight of hand. Um, this, was, this was a procession. It essentially becomes a procession yep. from the river along half a kilometre of road and up into the forum, yep. uh, the central political area. chariots of fire busting <laughs> You can almost hear the music playing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and so she proves her innocence yep. through a miracle. Yes. So there are certain ways around uh, uh, an accusation <laughs> of being non-virgin. Unfortunately, they don't seem to be readily accessible to yeah, most so I, women. I, actually, I was about to say, I haven't heard of this <laughs> happening again. So mm. clearly she was a bit of a, a special case. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, yeah. and that, that is obviously why they tend to, yes. to suggest it's mythic rather than real. Yes. But it sort of sets a bad precedent for actual Vestals. Mm. You're a Vestal in Rome... You're not allowed to lose your virginity. Yep. You hear stories of how people have proved their innocence in yeah. cases where they've been accused, and actually, it's impossible. Yes. Uh, yes and you absolutely. think to yourself, That's "How am I going?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Note to yourself: Don't lose one's virginity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Say no to the nice man and keep walking. Yes. Um, okay. So then we've got, um, and the next case we thought we'd look at is a bit of double trouble. Because mm. we've actually got two Vestals at the one time. Dun dun! Yes. <laughs> uh, getting accused of losing their virginity. Yes. And this does tend to be tied to what's going on, like the context, like what's going on in Rome at the this time. This one seems to be very much implicated in the historical context. Yes. So to give you a, a sense of perspective, yep. we're dealing with two women, Op- Opimia 
and Floronia. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the case dates to about 216 to 215 BC, so we're still in the Middle Republic. Yes. And we're actually in the process of the Second Punic War. Which is between Rome and Carthage. Carthage. Mm. One of their great nemesis. Yeah, so, <laughs> so the African, the North Africans and the Romans have been in a bit of a standoff for a while. They've already had one Punic War, yep. as implied. Which <laughs> um, is a clever name. <laughs> but this is the important one. This yes. is the one with Hannibal. Yes. So... Uh, big deal. Pa- yeah. Yeah, yeah, big deal. Yeah. So, and perhaps we can deal with Hannibal later. Yeah, and it's not going so well at this point. It's not. The no. Romans are in trouble. Mm. So in 216, 215, we're dealing with uh, a particular battle, the Battle of Cannae. And what this means is that the fighting of the Punic War is now taking place on Italian soil. Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> so, so let's, to put it mildly, Carthage is winning yes, right now. <laughs> yes, that's right. And yeah. the Romans are quaking in their boots. Yes. And it's around this time that, dun-dun-dun, shock, <laughs> <laughs> they think maybe... <laughs> Something's gone amiss in the grand scheme of things because Rome's not supposed to lose. <laughs> That's absurd. <laughs> how, how do we deal with a situation like this? Something must be wrong with our relationship with the gods. Yeah. I mean, this is the Roman fallback position. Yes. Uh, traditionally, Romans aren't considered, well, at least in early 20th century scholarship, not considered to be particularly religious. What we know now is that they're extremely religious. Yeah. If they're not sure about what's happening, they tend to question their relationship with the gods. Superstitious. Yes. <laughs> and, and particularly, they're very concerned with maintaining uh, this idea of their peace with the gods, this yes. Pax Deorum. Yeah. And they think at this pivotal moment, the Battle of Cannae, the enemy is inside Italy. Yeah. Rome is actually now under threat. Yep. Something must be wrong yeah, with and, the Romans' relationship. And around with the same the time, the Vestals are accused. There's also other, you know, prodigies noticed, aren't there? So yeah. yeah. So what tends to happen is that yeah. you get a series of what is classified as prodigies, yeah. unexplained events, which yeah. need to be interpreted. Yeah. And this is where the Vestals start to get accused. Yes. yes. Of being unchaste as well, yes. because perhaps it's. It's their relationship with Vesta which has broken down. Yep. And basically what happens is these two women are accused and they are convicted. Uh, one of them is buried alive mm. and the other one... Uh, she well, commits suicide, yeah, doesn't she? Seems, she? Yeah, she yeah, commits suicide. It's a, it's a yes. bit outrageous. So we have what, a, what is essentially our first double trial yes. of Vestals. So. And it's, yeah, it results in a double conviction, yes. Yeah. And on top of that, uh, one of the, according to Livy anyway... Uh, one of the men involved is punished as well. Uh, in, uh, yes. uh, one of the pontifical scribes. That's, that's really bad. It's really bad all around. This is probably yeah. the only time that you will ever hear of a pontifical scribe. Yeah, exactly. Um, a man who writes for male priests, so be it, yeah. uh, seems to have been implicated in this particular case. So we've got Apimia and Floronia accused. Yep. One of whom is buried alive. Yep. One of whom, under the pressure of the trial, presumably, commits suicide. Yep. I guess she saw what was happening and <laughs> thought, I better just <laughs> exit now. And one poor man who gets flogged to the point that he dies, I Yeah, believe. by the Pontifus Maximus, who's the, the head honcho. The head priest, yeah, essentially. Yeah, exactly. The chief priest. Yeah, so it's not exactly the most cheery affair. <laughs> no, no. And, uh, I mean... 
the Romans come out of this, obviously, and they move on and they survive. And, you know, they eventually, eventually go on to destroy Carthage. Yeah. So I, but, guess, uh, I guess for them it's... I'm uh, not sure that the Vestals dying is necessarily the pivotal well, moment no. for no, that. But I suppose in the sense, though, that it doesn't exactly disprove their theory, does it? <laughs> no, no, no. It's very supportive, actually, <laughs> it is, as it turns out. And, and then, so, yeah, skipping ahead, if we go up in numbers yet again, we've got mm. the highest number of Vestals, I think, ever accused. Oh, yeah. In <laughs> about 115, maybe... 114, 113 BC. Yeah, yeah. around that three-year period. Yeah. We have not two, but three <laughs> Vestals up on trial. And this yeah. is really crazy. Well, this yeah. is massive. Yeah. I mean, to have three Vestals up on trial, and so three potential deaths on the line, that's half the Vestal College yeah. in one foul swoop. I guess the rosters uh, <laughs> to be shifted <laughs> around a bit that week. Well, yeah. I, I think of the, the, the effects of this, and you're going to have to have three new priestesses come mm, on board instantly. between the ages of six and ten. Mm. It's, it's that's, not, yeah, that's, that's not cool. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not a great scenario to and find And we don't really even in. know how old the other priestesses were no, at this time, do we? No. They could have been kids as well. Yeah. Well, we're not really sure. Mm. See, this is part of our trouble, is yeah. that our record is so sketchy for this. But yeah. this is a trial that stands out in the historical record mm. for a number of reasons. And Mostly from from our perspective, what's yeah. interesting about this is the fact that we've got three. So the yeah. Vestals, Amelia, Licinia, and Marcia, mm. or Marcia, <laughs> uh, are accused of being unchaste. Yes, and I think the thing I hate the most about this one is that in the first, you know, in the first instance, uh, they're tried by the Pontifus Maximus. Yeah, so and, a trial by yeah. the chief priest. I yeah. mean, that's that's important because yeah. that's that's the way the trial. Should goes. should yeah. should be conducted. Yeah. So you have your trial via the Pontifex Maximus. This is a closed trial, so yeah. it's it's all kept internal. Yeah. The priests are involved. Yeah. There's you know, and the Pontifex Maximus is generally the one who's kind of keeping an eye on the Vestals. Anyway. Well, he's the one who yeah. comes to the big decision anyway. Yeah. yeah. And the decision out of that trial is that uh, Amelia has to go. Is it, it? it Marcia? Oh, maybe. Maybe. Let me, maybe. Let me have a look. Hang on. Ooh. Excuse me Ooh. while I just uh, flip through my Ooh. little uh, book Fact here. check time. Exactly. I think it. I think it's Marcia. Oh. <laughs> I'll run yeah. with that. I'm happy to run with that. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, so she's convicted. Mm-hmm. But. But. So that's a live barrel right there. Yeah, exactly. There is more to the tale. But wait. Yeah. There's more. Exactly. So, uh, what seems to be... Uh, politically interesting about this and, mm. and the reason why it's attracted such attention yes. is that one of these minor Roman magistrates um, comes forward and says, no, this trial hasn't really dealt with the issue appropriately. Mm. More needs to be done. Yeah. And he rallies public support for a second public trial. Okay, well, <laughs> that's been putting on the brakes. <laughs> Double jeopardy. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Romans don't really believe in that I sort of know, thing. <laughs> I know. I know. I they did. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. what, you, you, well, I, I, I don't even have an explanation for yeah. that. <laughs> what could I say? Yeah, yeah. It's Rome. It's Rome. Yeah. you got to run with it. So, second yeah. public trial. So, the two that are left. Yeah. Amelia and Licinia. Yes. Now, they're on trial again yeah. for the same crime. Yeah. Very soon after, isn't it? Very soon. Yeah. So... The turnaround's probably six months a year, and this second public trial finds both of these remaining vessels, who were previously acquitted in the first closed pontifical trial, now both found guilty at the public trial. Yeah, and I think in in this second trial, 
Um, whereas the first festival, who I think is Markia, <laughs> was... Uh, Let was me convic- just do some yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe she was convicted of having had one lover, which is obviously still bad, not good. But I believe in the second trial, it came out that the other two vessels had a number of lovers, including each other's brothers. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Well, the yeah. gossip runs That's wild gossip. on this yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. So I've got my source here. Yes, and I'm wrong. So this is, a, <laughs> this is, a, this is a, the source as I have it. Yeah. Um, so he had condemned only one. This is the chief priest, yeah. Amelia. Ah, see. But had acquitted two. Markia and Lakinia. What did I tell you? I doff my hat. I shouldn't have argued. <laughs> I feel totally vindicated. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I was an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, yes, but basically, yeah, I, I believe that nonetheless, Markia apparently only had one lover, whereas the others had, yeah, more than one. Well, yeah. the thing is that, that the whole trial seems to run away with itself. Once it becomes yeah. a public trial, exactly. it's up Hysteria, for grabs, yeah, you know, yeah. and the gossip, yeah. and everybody's talking about you it. You can just imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is the most sort of... Yeah, yeah, this is the most scandalous thing that Rome has seen for a quite some time. Absolutely. And, yeah. and now that it's a public trial, everyone's got a chance to participate yeah. as well. So why not have some brothers involved yeah. and the sharing of brothers? Yeah. And and the, the accusations go so far as that they organise a prostitution ring. Yeah. And, yeah. you know... This I'm, is really going wild. Yeah. yeah this yeah. is not just loss of virginity all of Where a sudden. Where in their busy fire-watching schedule <laughs> could they have time for a prostitution ring? Yeah. <laughs> now they're madams of a prostitution racket yeah. run with their brothers. Yes. I mean, it's just outrageous. Absolutely. And so what do you think is the truth behind this? I mean, do you think it's something to do with the politics of the time do you think oh it's... look you can't discount politics and yes. and there's been a lot of studies with the politics on this one yeah and it it does seem to be quite a popular outlook mm. and but the thing to keep in mind that politics isn't isn't the only thing at play here yeah and our knowledge of what side is is playing against what other side like political factions yeah. they're hard to reconstruct for this period sure we're dealing with and we are dealing with three women here we're so de- three different well yeah. we're dealing with three different families yes yeah. and and we're dealing with the potential of three different political factions as well yeah. if, if we're going from that sort of perspective yes um these women aren't apolitical necessarily they mm. represent certain aristocratic families yeah and so the other thing to keep in mind i think is that there is a substantial prodigy associated mm. with the lead up to this they're not just accused out of the blue of course not um, <laughs> it's like and, it's like the other one we were just talking about yeah. <laughs> so an mm. unexplained event that needs to be explained yeah. one of these moments and this is this makes for an interesting sort of example of just how dangerous prodigies can be yes so the prodigy itself is uh a maiden is caught out in a thunderstorm. Ah, uh, yes. Helvia. <laughs> Helvia the, the maiden. Yeah. So, you know, she's a virgin. She she may be about 15, 16. Nobody's quite sure. But, you know, yep. she's she's considered to be a virgin. Yep. She's out with her father. Yep. It starts to thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. They're riding their horses across a field. Yep. They decide to, to race towards the cover. Mm-hmm. Too slowly, as it turns out. <laughs> Although, how she could outrun this thing, I don't know. <laughs> a lightning bolt yeah. from the sky. That's, that's hard to outride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to be difficult to yeah. outride. Yeah. A lightning bolt comes down, hits Helvia. Yep. She's electrocuted. She falls off her horse. She's flung off. Yep. She lands on the ground. And... <laughs> Shouldn't laugh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's serious stuff. I mean, you yeah. wouldn't want to be Helvia, but it's no. kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so she ends up dead on the ground yeah. with her skirt hiked up 
above her genitalia. Oh my goodness. Okay, I think that's time for another collective gas. <gasps> <gasps> so, so yeah. Her genitalia is exposed. Good lord. <laughs> and to make things worse, her tongue is also protruding from her mouth. Ooh. You know, yeah. she's been electrocuted. Suggestive, you know, suggestive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the trouble is that, that the reading of this prodigy, yeah. how do we explain it? Well, yep. the Roman priests who look after this sort of thing mm. decided that because Helvia was a virgin, mm. because her genitalia was exposed yep. and her tongue was protruding, yep. which has a sexual suggestion about cool. it, yep. is that this is a reflection on the state of the Vestal College. This idea that the virgin dying with exposed genitalia can be read as Vestal symbolically not having their virginity anymore. Yeah, and boy, did they ever come up with the goods. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we have a three-way trial. So. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> so you do get, uh, whenever we're thinking about Roman politics mm. with, with these women, we're also having to think about Roman religion more generally. These yes. women are priestesses of yeah. a goddess. And you'd probably say they're probably the most important female priestesses, wouldn't you? They're certainly the ones we hear the most about yeah. in the historical record. Yeah, yeah. And they're certainly one of the more ancient uh, priestly bodies, hmm. even regardless of sex, aren't they? Well, definitely. Yeah. Considering yeah. that we're thinking about sort of uh, vestals prior to the foundation of the city of Rome as yes. well yeah. in our last episode. And generally, I mean, this is the thing, generally in the sources we do get references to them in regards to these trials. Like, it is, mm. you know, that's generally when things come up. I mean, there are a few instances of, you know, political what-have-yous, but... Oh, look, this, and the thing amount. tends to be that when things are going well, you don't hear much about them. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's, so they're doing their job. They're yeah. watching the fire. They're yeah, making the, the little... Fires, the fire's burning. Exactly. <laughs> Give the whole fire burning. <laughs> those ladies are watching the flames. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, like anything in history, it's not worth talking about if yes. it's not controversial. Absolutely. And if it's not a point of conflict, it yeah. doesn't come up. So the good news, I suppose, well, I mean, maybe good news, is that I, I <laughs> believe that not long after this massive you know, three virgin trial. <laughs> um, it, the the number of trials for unchastity does start to level off a little bit, doesn't it? It does, it yeah. does. And we, we actually don't see another uh, full-on trial mm. for Vestal Unchastity until we get to Domitian. Which is huge. That's yeah. a massive gap. Yeah. So, so Domitian is, yeah. we're looking at sort of like 80 AD up to 96 AD. Yeah. So this is like so a couple like, hundred. Yeah, almost. almost 200 years yeah. gap between this three trial well, that's of the virgins. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> no know. one's buried alive. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we should probably wrap up yes, this episode. Yes, that's a cheerful note to end yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> no more trials for 200 years. <laughs> so stay tuned for our next episode. I believe in our next episode, we are toying with the idea of looking at sex in ancient Rome on film, perhaps. Ah, yes. Mm. 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 Intriguing. Where... Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Radford will definitely be in the zone. This is her <laughs> the field. Tables are turned. The tables are turned. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, see you next time. <laughs>